Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Leading us off on this edition, it's O.S. Hawkins. He has served with Guidestone Financial Resources. Now he's in leadership with Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He brings insight into relationships based on the book of Philemon, which depicts Paul's desire to see reconciliation between two individuals. Also, Karen Kingsbury is a prolific Christian novelist and shares about a World War II love story she has crafted, examining the challenges of that era and integrating redemptive elements. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's Christian communicator Rhett Wilson. He is a published writer and has been involved in assisting various authors in writing books. He enumerates practical steps that parents can take as they offer up prayers for their children. Finally, you'll be hearing from Alan Brocken. He is a homeschool father and writes books for younger readers. He's also concerned with a decline in reading scores, which has a direct relationship to how children and teens relate to the Bible. His comments are coming up. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. O.S. Hawkins serves as Chancellor of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and is President Emeritus of Guidestone Financial Resources. He has written a number of books that contain the word code in the title. His latest is called The Connection Code, based on the book of Philemon, in which the Apostle Paul is encouraging reconciliation in a relationship. Here now from a Meeting House conversation is O.S. Hawkins. For those that are not familiar with Philemon, first of all, you better get to know Philemon. You're liable to meet him in heaven, and he's going to say, what do you think about my book? <laughs> and you ought to be able to give him an answer. So that's another reason I wrote it. Philemon was a wealthy entrepreneur in the city of Colossae. And Paul, on a missionary journey through there, led him to faith in Christ. He, he, he was consumed with the gospel, Philemon was, started a church in his home. Paul left, went on his journey subsequently was incarcerated in his Roman imprisonment, was put in prison in Rome. Ones- uh, Philemon had a, had a, someone who worked for him by the name of Onesimus, and he ripped him off and ran off into the bright lights of the big city of Rome. We don't know what he did, but he got incarcerated. And of all the, quote, coincidences, unquote, he was got in a prison cell with Paul. Paul leads <laughs> Philemon to Christ, I mean, to Onesimus to Christ, Suddenly he says, you know, I've got to go back home. I've got to go back to Philemon and make restitution and repentance and ask for forgiveness. So Paul writes this letter to his friend Philemon to let him know Onesimus is coming home and encouraging him to receive him back, no longer as a slave or servant, but as a, a dear brother. So it's a it's a real case study in interpersonal relationships. Well, it's very interesting when you look at the, I guess you might say, the, the standing in life, the socioeconomic sort of aspects of these two individuals, both of them led to Christ by the Apostle Paul and coming from very different backgrounds, but they both had had that experience of the new birth. They had been born again. They'd come into salvation through Jesus Christ, and that places them in Christ, if I can say it like this, on the very same level. And I think that speaks powerfully. Share with me right. what you want to get across with that. Yeah, all the ground is level at the cross, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, to uh, to Zacchaeus, rich Zacchaeus up in the tree. If you remember, he said, come down. And to poor blind Bartimaeus begging on the side of the road, he said, stand up. So he has a way of bringing us up and lifting us down in order to see that the cross levels all. So actually, what the book of Philemon is about is, a, is about relationships. And, we're all there, and what he teaches us, Bob, is that there are only three relationships in life. There's the outward expression. That's a relationship we have with each other. We're made to connect with one another. That's why we call it the connection code. Uh, whether at home, at the office, at school, at church, wherever, at the end of every great creative act, God spoke, and he said, that's good. He divided the sea and land. He said, that's good. When he made man, he said something else. He said, "Not it's not good. It's not good, what? For man to be alone. We are made to connect with each other in an outward expression. Then we also have an inward relationship. That's the relationship we have with ourselves. Self-worth, self-respect, whatever. Most of what goes wrong in our outward relationships is really a projection of self-anger or whatever's going on with us. But there's one other relationship that separates us from all the created order. It's an awesome thought. We have the capacity to come into an upward relationship with God through Jesus Christ and know him in the free pardoning of sin and in the intimacy of father and child. So the bottom line, we're never going to be properly related to each other until we're properly related to ourselves and that's never going to happen until we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, find our self-worth in him, and spread that love to others around us. O.S. Hawkins here on The Intersection. You can find him online at oshawkins.com. Well, this is The Intersection podcast. Next up, it's Karen Kingsbury, a prolific Christian novelist. In a recent conversation, she shared about a World War II love story she has crafted called Just Once, featuring one of the characters who appears in a variety of Baxter family novels. In our conversation, she examined the challenges of that era and integrating redemptive elements. Here now from that conversation is Karen Kingsbury. The character is Ervil Holland, and Ervil was a minor character in the Baxter books. She was in her 80s, and she was an Alzheimer's patient at Sunset Hills Adult Care Home, and that's where Ashley Baxter worked. And it was actually Ervil who was very instrumental in helping Ashley find her way back to Jesus. She had made a lot of bad decisions, uh, felt like she'd fallen away from God and her family, and, and Ervil helps to change that for Ashley. So she's instrumental, but she's a minor character. Well, Ervil, you know, her days were spent. She'd wake up, and she would get her cup of peppermint tea and dress real, really beautifully in just like a sweet, you know, outfit, like she was ready to go somewhere. She'd sit in the front room having her tea, and she would watch out the window for Hank to come back from fishing with the boys. But Hank had been in heaven for seven years, so mm-hmm. she just didn't know. And, you know, some people would say to her, Ervil, your husband's been gone for seven years, and try to, like, ground her in what the reality was. And that just would upset her. Of course, she was so so confused with that. But Ashley didn't do that. Ashley listened to the stories about Hank. So when it came time for her to take her last breath, this was one of my funnier moments as, a, as an author. I just had – Finished, I put a period at the end of a sentence, and I set my laptop down, and I had to have a good cry over losing Ervil. I was going to mm-hmm. miss her. And uh, my husband came into our room. I was sitting in, our, in a chair in, my, in our room and getting a sweatshirt. He comes in, and he's happy, and he looks at me. He's like, Karen, what's wrong? What happened? And I said, Ervil died. And so he's like, 
kind of has this like, you know, the blood drains from his face. Like, oh no, what? Do we know her from church or from school? <laughs> and um, I just like, I said, no, honey, she's one of my characters. Well, he said, honey, I mean, how can I feel sorry for you? You killed her. Oh so my god! Of course, I had to. <laughs> I had to explain like. No, no, she died of natural causes, and he said, well, just bring her back, like, just backspace delete, go back. And I told him I couldn't do that, but then I got to thinking, I could bring Ervil back. I just have to bring her back and tell her love story, because she was a spy for World War II. I didn't know that until I started thinking about it, and I was like, my goodness, and, like, the Lord laid that on my heart. She was a spy, worked for the Office of Strategic Services, and was on ships, and code-breaking, and taking... Uh, you know, dressing like a nurse and taking uh, secrets behind enemy lines and just really an amazing love story where she was dating one brother and really in love with the other one. And they all wound up in the middle of World War II. Um, so I wanted to tell her story and it's great. I, I love it that it starts in the kind of the current day when she gets her diagnosis. So it starts like her, her granddaughter is the one that's writing the story called Just Once. Mm. And so that's kind of the opening. And then we go back to where she's getting her diagnosis. And uh, Hank, her husband, says, let's get a camera and just once let's tell our love story. Let's tell the world that you are a spy. Let's get it all down. And then that becomes this novel. Karen, you write books from a Christian perspective. So tell me how you're able in this particular novel and this storyline to actually integrate some Christian elements. Yeah, so for me, you know, when I tell a story, I think the reason people love it, whether they're a believer or not, is because I can tell a deeper story. So, you know, a secular author can talk about the physical, intellectual, and emotional elements of the story. I can do that, but I also can talk about the spiritual elements. So I'm never looking to think, like, what's my message, and how do I, how do I put that into the story? It's always the story. It's like when Jesus wanted to touch your heart, you know, he told a story. So the story happens and the message comes from it. Um, so in this case, Erbil was getting panic attacks, listening to the radio, hearing about the war. She didn't tell anyone, but she would go into the bathroom and stare at their face in the mirror and shake and struggle to breathe. And she realized that she needed help with that and found that in the living word of God. And that, you know, she had been a believer, but just hadn't looked at to really like the only weapon we have as believers that will fight spiritual darkness. The only weapon is the word of God. So she arms herself with some scripture and it begins to change her life. So that's a, an integral part of her storyline. But as they're in battle, I mean, a lot of times it's just, you know, like you would imagine that when you're in a very, very dangerous situation and battles breaking out everywhere, you're crying out to God. Anybody would. Like there's no atheists, you know, in foxholes, as they say. So it just kind of, I allow the Lord to show me where those elements are natural so that no one feels like, oh, there she is trying to get her message across. It's never like that. So uh, I think it, it ends up being deeper because it comes in through the back door of the heart. Karen Kingsbury here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to her website at karenkingsbury.com. This is The Intersection podcast featuring highlights from the Meeting House program, which can be heard Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time on Faith Radio, faithradio.org, and through the Faith Radio app. You can find the Meeting House homepage through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming menu at faithradio.org. At the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests 
featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House radio program. There's also a link to the Media Center through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Also through the Meeting House homepage, there are links to the Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, there's a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video of selected Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast at Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and a variety of podcast platforms. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Christian communicator Rhett Wilson. He has written personally as well as in association with other people and ministry organizations. In our conversation, he discussed the concept of and content related to the book entitled The Seven P's of Prayer, A Simple Method to Pray for Your Family. He serves as Senior Communication Director for Leighton Ford Ministries. Here now from that recent Meeting House conversation is Rhett Wilson. We pray for God's peace because we start there because uh, we're going to pray for, for salvation. That's where peace starts with and pray that they come to know Christ personally and then praying for the peace of God in their lives. Then we pray for God's purpose in their life. And uh, God's purpose for all of us is that we would glorify him and that we would uh, become fruit-bearing disciples of Christ. And so we're we're praying that, that they would grow in God's purpose, then we're praying uh, for God's plans for their life, and that's when we're praying for the specific plans that God has for each individual, which are different for each individual. And so uh, I take readers through uh, ways to pray for uh, the plans that God has for your children. We pray for purity one day. Uh, The Bible says, without holiness, we will not see the Lord, and Jesus promised that uh, the the pure in heart would be blessed and that they would see God. And uh, we're certainly living in a a, a very impure world and culture. And so uh, I I teach readers how to pray for your kids and grandkids to to have uh, godliness and and, and purity in their lives. Let's see, then we pray for um, God's presence. Uh, would be manifested in their lives uh, under presence. That includes uh, praying for for God's uh, power when they need uh, strength in their lives and uh, that, that they would learn to experience God in a, in a real and practical and personal way. Then uh, we also pray for provision. Uh, provision is, is so important, and I, I really look into what the Bible says about words like provide, provision, uh, providence of God, those things we dig into into there. And then protection, uh, that's uh, one that we pray uh, for God to protect our children and grandchildren in a variety of, of ways. And if you would, what do you desire for people to 
maybe learn themselves or to take away from this particular book? The opening story in the book is about a missionary that was in northern Uganda, and uh, he was with his young son in a hut, and he heard gunfire in the village, which meant there was a raid from the people that lived in the bush country. And he grabbed his son. He knew a bullet could come through the hut. He threw his son on the ground. He laid on top of his son, and he prayed. He said, Lord, I can't keep a bullet from hitting my son, but it's got to go through me first. And then I I heard uh, Bruce say later, he said, you know, that needs to be the position of our prayer lives. We need to have the position or the attitude towards our families that I cannot keep evil from hitting my family, but it's got to go through my prayer life first. And, you know, uh, one thing I say in the introduction to the book, we live in a day where there are a lot of unguarded homes and ungated lives. And so many people, and even so many Christian people and church people, it's so easy to get so caught up in the culture and caught up in the busyness of the pace of life in our Western society that they can really forget the most important things, and that includes having a prayer covering for your family, being that spiritual watchman for your family. And so the first thing is I would hope that they would come away inspired and motivated and convicted to say, you know, I can't keep evil from hitting my family, but by golly, it's got to go through my prayer life first. And so my hope would be that there are moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles, people that love other people and pray for other people, and that this book will give them some handles to grab to teach them practically how to pray, where we can move our praying deeper than just, oh, God bless my children today. I think as we want to see God mature our families, we need to learn how to mature our praying to see some of those specific prayers answered. Rhett Wilson from a recent Meeting House Conversation here on the Intersection Podcast. You can find out more about the book at 7, the number 7, peasofprayer.net. His website is Rhett, R-H-E-T-T, Wilson, dot O-R-G. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the CEO of Towers of Light Christian Resources, Alan Brocken. In our conversation, he highlighted the latest book in his Towers of Light book series, which is called Demolishing the Stronghold. He also provided analysis of a decline in reading proficiency among children and explored the concept of reading while listening. Here now from that conversation is Alan Brocken. Depending on what you read, it's something like 70% of students, so this is, you know, across the country, based on standardized testing, 70% of students, fourth to eighth grade, are reading below grade level. Mm. And that's just shocking to me. Um, they said, uh, and depending on what state you go in, um, I think like in, in the state of Iowa, it was like um, it's the lowest scores since 1992. Um, and so, you know, from, from an overall perspective, I think we can see where the pandemic might have had an impact on that. But there's also good evidence to show that digital distractions are a big factor in children's reading, like the, the lack of reading, the lack of that as a pastime. Um, and long-term, 
it has significant impact on students' academic achievement because your verbal skills not only impact your you know, ability to deal with language arts or to, to write and that kind of thing, but also impact science, engineering, math, any of those subjects because your ability to read is what puts that information in your brain to be able to use it. And so kind of across the board, this is, this is kind of a bad thing for America, quite frankly. It's important that as children are taught God's Word, that they're also taught to read God's Word and comprehend. Share with me what you see as the implications of these statistics really on kids and ministries and kids' ministries in the church. Well, I think, you know, and I don't want to get into a debate about which, you know, Bible version is the best, right? Like, sure. that's a whole other show and not, not one I'm, <laughs> I'm theologically confident to, to have. But I, I think it's fair to say we all know there are many different versions of the Bible. Um, but depending on which version you have from a reading level perspective, they start at 7th grade, and most of them are 10th to 12th grade reading level. And so if I'm trying to get God's Word into the heart of a third or fourth grader who's actually reading below level at, at first or second grade, it's very difficult to deal with that gap between where they're at and where the Bible is from a reading perspective. There's a lot of work that needs to go into that from a discipleship perspective to help your child actually read and understand those words. And so, and, and there's some techniques that, that I've learned that help that. But the bottom line is, you know, with, with children behind, the idea that you're going to hand them a Bible of any version, quite frankly, and they're going to be able to competently read and, and do that. I mean, I think that that as a parent is something you've got to be very cognizant of. Is this at a level they can understand? Is this something they're getting the word? Or do I need to sit with them and kind of work through it? Because, quite frankly, you know, across the board, 70% of your kid is likely in the 70% of kids that's a little bit behind. Well, give us some background, if you would, about this overall series and the the characters, kind of the overall plot arc through the series, and then we'll talk a little bit about the most recent book. Sure. So the Towers of Light series, you can kind of think about it like if you've got the reference of Little House on the Prairie, right? That kind of 1860s frontier life. Uh, but imagine if Laura Ingalls picks up the armor of God. So she's got the helmet of salvation on, and she's ready to go, uh, you know, do battle with the forces of darkness. That, that's the way to think about this. A little bit of little bit of Little House on the Prairie, maybe a little bit of Narnia kind of mixed together. Um, and so we have three children, uh, Lauren, Aiden, and Ethan, and they're, they're living on the, on the frontier with their parents, and their parents disappear under mysterious circumstances because uh, it's a middle-grade book, and you have to get rid of the parents or you don't have a story. I didn't make up that rule. That's a literary thing. Like, you just have to follow it. So their parents disappear, and then the kids wake up, and they find themselves on an adventure. And this adventure is to make breakfast, because it's really hard to make breakfast when you're kids alone on the frontier. And so after a couple days of, of trying to struggle with this and figure out what to do, they decide to go to church to get some help. And when they get there, um, they, they realize something's off, something's different, something's changed, and they're getting some fake news. So they go home, and they crack open the good book, and they use it to kind of unravel the mystery and to keep the Tower of Light shining. And so that's kind of the first book in the series. And then each book after that has and, – and, and the underlying value of the book is discernment. It's kind of using God's Word to go find the truth, find the right thing to do to discern what should happen. Each book after that has kind of a different value. And so in the next book, it's still small voice, is about their conscience. Um, the one after that, Fear No Evil, is about courage, praying for courage. Like when you're lost and alone in a valley of darkness, how do you have the courage to fear no evil? Uh, the one after that, uh, 
armor of God is about having the faith to put on the armor of God. Uh, book five is wellspring of life. Guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And the most recent one, Demolishing the Stronghold, is really about prayer and, and, and seeking God's guidance for victory over evil. Alan Brocken here on The Intersection. You can find out more at towersoflight.net. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the Faith Radio website at faithradio.org. In the programming menu, you will find a link to the Meeting House homepage as well as the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You can also find a link to the Media Center from the Meeting House homepage and you can find links to the Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. And you can watch video of Meeting House guests on the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There's a link provided from the homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.